Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Yeah, Lord, why don't you extend a hand to these guys as we pray for them. Lord God, I just thank you. Thank you for this awesome couple, Lord. We thank you for the words that you've given them this morning. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would use them powerfully, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the message that you've given them. Ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, that, that we would hear that message and would touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Are we on? I think you are. And mine might be in just a second. There we go. Got it? Yeah, the clip on the back of my belt pack just broke. <gasps> Forgive me for pocket. that. I'll just put it in my pocket. That's probably the best. <laughs> Good morning, folks. Um, well done for making it out this morning. We looked out the, w- the window. We went, oh, okay, it's one of those mornings. Let's stay in bed. Let's stay in bed. We didn't really have that choice. <laughs> That's okay. A um, couple of things we wanted just to share first about, um, uh, and I'm trying to think where my notes are for that. Do you have your phone? No, I don't. I'm just going to do it off Kim's the top of my head. My phone. Um, so. Thank you. So at the moment, um, and for, for quite a while now, we've been kind of in a, um, in a kind of funny space, haven't we, as a church? We've been able to continue meeting, but there's so many things that we've been unable to do in terms of community. Um, and it's exciting that slowly as, as things seem to come back to normal a bit more, we can start doing some of that. So from next week, we're going to be having some tea and coffee, well coffee certainly, the coffee cart's going to be running next couple of weeks for those special services and our heart is as we get into term two we can be doing more kind of community things. Um, Now in the past uh, we have, we've particularly um, looked for folk who are in life groups to be involved in morning tea and in welcoming people and in helping them park Um, but we're going to try a bit of a new way of doing some of that uh, as we go into term two, what we'd like to do, because our life groups are meeting, some are online, some are in person, uh, they're, all, they're all a bit over the place, and, and some of you are in life groups and some of you aren't, you're not necessarily able to get to a life group, we'd like you to actually opt in to helping on with different teams, particularly uh, for welcoming uh, and, and hospitality on a Sunday morning. So you'll see that opportunity going out, and all we would say is, Guys, if you consider this place family, if it's your home, then please jump in, mm-hmm. sign up to, um, and figure out kind of, am I on a team for this morning? Now, I know many of you do lots of things already, and you need to obviously just have wisdom how you balance that. But if you can, and if you, can, if you consider this place home, then please jump in and help out. Yeah, and um, you know, we've always loved the, the sense of family that we have as a community and, and us serving each other and loving each other. And so, um, like Rob said, we're going to try something slightly different with, with Kids Church as well. It's not only going to be just parents sort of helping out. We um, are asking the church if helping out with kids is on your heart, we would love you to sign up. And we're going to use parents as well, but we're going to try and um, get a few more people involved with leading the next generation and and raising up the next generation. Um, So over the next little while, you'll see some rosters and ways to sign up and um, 
and kind of participate in that way. We'd love you in the same way that we, you know, want to encourage everyone to think about what you give and how you give. We'd love you to think about um, in terms of serving and how you serve and, and particularly serving this community. So. Yeah. Uh, last thing to say is... Um, quick thank you to everyone who's behind the tech desk this morning. They're doing a fantastic job. It's not easy. Um, well done, guys. Thank you. And just can a quick shout out to Phil for building the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second. Phil Henry. Thank I don't you know what it's called. Amazing thing. technical skills. Um, but in particular, if you feel like you're able to help out um, behind a computer, uh, running through the lyrics for our worship and, and a couple of other slides and things like that, we'd love your help. We're looking for more people particularly to help out with that. So please do come and chat with me um, or with Anna Harding. She'd love to talk to you. Um, that would be fantastic. All right, I think that bit's done. We're going to get into um, the, the, the word this morning and what we, just what we felt the Lord put in our hearts. Uh, we've been looking over the last, it's like eight weeks or six weeks. I don't want to exaggerate. Seven. If it's seven weeks, there you go. Um, six to eight weeks. <laughs> six to eight weeks. Um, we've been looking for a while now at this whole idea of key turning points, points of change, really, in, in the people of God, in the story of God with his people. And um, we've looked at uh, the banishment of Adam and Eve from Eden. We've looked at Noah and the flood. I mean, take that as a key turning point. Um, we've looked at God calling Abraham. Uh, and we've looked at the people of God leaving Egypt We've looked at them crossing the Jordan, and then last week we were looking at um, them coming home from exile. And it's fascinating that God is with them intimately through every single one of those moments. Uh, but all of those key moments have been pointing us forward to a pinnacle moment, to a crescendo point. And that is, of course, that God would one day fully rescue, redeem, and restore his people through his Messiah. And so, you know, as we open up the scriptures today, we're going to open up in Matthew 15. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to that. But as we open up, what we're doing is we're stepping right into that moment when God was finally fulfilling that promise. The coming Messiah King had arrived on the scene. And if, I want you just for a moment to imagine you are the people of God. Because you are. <laughs> but you imagine for a moment you were the Israel. You were God's people living at this time in history. And you had those thousands of years of cultural and historical identity. That you related who you were to each one of those turning points that we just talked about. And here you are at the moment when God's key crescendo turning point happened. Because it was a moment that God's people had been waiting for for thousands of years. And you might expect their leaders, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, you might expect them to be waiting to embrace the Messiah as he came. But when Jesus came, he brought, as you know, a radically different kind of agenda to anything that they were expecting. They really weren't expecting it. And we're going to read um, from Matthew 15, the first 12 verses. And I'm going to read that and then we're going to hand over to Bonnie. But you will see that 
as Jesus begins to teach, it's not what they thought. So Matthew 15, verse 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they are to not honor their father and mother with it. And thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Poor Pharisees, right? I don't know about you guys, but Pharisees Pharisees get a bad rap all the way through Scripture. Um, we even use Pharisee as a bad word. Don't be such a Pharisee. Oh, that's so Pharisaical. Um, and so I've been thinking about this. And so just this morning, we're just going to take a few minutes just to, I think, have a little bit of a slightly deeper look at the Pharisees and who they were. Um, and sort of why Jesus gives them such a hard time in this. So um, you'll know from some of the stories that we've been looking at that uh, there was a time in in the Jewish history where Israel was uh, exiled. And so they obviously were moved into other kingdoms. And so the way that Um, the Jewish people were led at those times was either by king, so we know all the kings that we've had, um, or by the priests in the temple. And so when they were exiled, both of those were removed from them. And so in terms of who was leading the Jewish people, they, they weren't sure. They didn't have the temple. They didn't have their kings. They were in another culture, in another space. And so during this time, and this is the time, so Kimmy spoke about it last week, where they were exiled and then they kind of went back to start rebuilding the temple, um, and then up until when Jesus came. During this time, there were various groups that sort of popped up in different ways. And you might have heard of some of them. You've got the Sadducees, who were sort of the the priests. Um, But the priests uh, were known as being quite corrupt, Uh, They kind of were happy to um, do the sort of priestly duties, but, um, you know, assimilate some of the other things that were going on in the culture. And you've got the Essenes, uh, as well as another group, and they kind of were completely cut off. They wanted to be completely cut off from everyone um, and not assimilate in any way or even be in the culture where everyone is living. And then you get this group called the Pharisees. 
Now, the Pharisees were a group of scribes and others who were deeply, deeply devoted to the, the law and deeply devoted to seeing Judaism continue. So these key things, particularly around the temple, when there wasn't a temple, how do um, they continue in their Jewish faith when something so key is missing? And so the law became the thing that everything revolved around. Now, the Pharisees believed that there was uh, what's called written law, which are the first five books of the Bible, which we have um, in our Bible. Um, and then there is the oral law. And so there was this, there's this kind of understanding in Jewish tradition that when God was sort of downloading to Moses on what to write, Moses would ask questions like, what does that really mean? Or, you know, can you expand on that? And then God kind of expanded on that, but, but told him not to write it down. So that when he came down off the mountain, he gave the physical written law, but then there was an oral law to be shared. And that was passed down only orally. It was explicit that it was not meant to be written down. And so the Pharisees held both of these as um, in equal importance. And that's where a lot of their extra rules and extra laws came from, was this oral law, which they believed was as um, important and, 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 and as, um, yeah, authoritative, thank you, what's the word? It's helpful having you up here, actually, it is. Um, authoritative as the written word. And so they held those together. Um, and so, you know, I guess as I was reflecting on this, I was like, I totally get this deep sense of wanting to see the Jewish faith going on. And, you know, the Pharisees uh, became, as Jesus sort of comes onto the scene, they're the main, the, the other groups are there, but they're the main group. They're the ones who've kind of held it all together. And because it was all around law, they'd set up the structure. Instead of a temple that everything revolved around, it was like rabbis, that every, the teachers because the teaching of the law was so important. But they were the, also the ones where it wasn't just, um, you know, the priests who get um, taught the law or know the law, but actually all boys, so not everyone, but at that point all boys would be invited to come and learn to a certain level. And so they were opening up. And so as I was thinking about this, I was like, wow, you know, it came from a good heart this kind of very intense, deep devotion. They would have known the scriptures incredibly well, not just like us, you know, where I'm like, oh, yes, I remember that verse somewhere about something, and then I can Google it and go, oh, yeah, that's where it is. Like, they didn't have that. They would have, they would have known those stories. They would have known those laws, um, and they would have held them in such high esteem. So how did they miss Jesus? I think that was one of the questions that we have to ask is, how did they, if they knew scriptures so well, and they would have read and seen in scriptures about God's rescue and how God was going to establish his presence on earth and he was going to triumph over his enemies and, and even all those very specific prophecies about the Messiah being born in Nazareth, be, you know, all those very specific things that Jesus 
couldn't have sort of made, a human couldn't have made happen, only God could have. And I'm sure that there are a few different reasons as to why, but one of the things that I felt God talking to me about was expectations. And how so easily expectations can become something that causes bondage. So easily expectations can become something that limits, something that prevents us from actually seeing what God is doing. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how, you know, we, we often do have these expectations, expectations of how our life would go, expectations of what might happen at work, expectations of family, expectations of what God might do, expectations of um, how I might grow old, how I might, you know, expectations. And so I was having a chat with God, and I'm like, God, like, shouldn't should we need to have expectations? Like, you know, we often say, come, you know, guys, you want to come with expectation when we come to the Lord, and we want to, you want to have that sort of sense of hope. So, so kind of what's, what's the difference here? And I felt like he just, he gave me um, a similar word, but slightly nuanced, and that was expectant. And I just felt him say there is, a, there is a big difference between expectations and expectancy. And when he calls us to come to him, when he calls us to come before him with there's, a, there's something that we need or there's something that we want him to do, he wants us to come with hearts of expectancy, not of expectation. Because you see, like... The Pharisees, if you come with expectations, the focus that you have is often on yourself or on the situation. Whereas when you come with expectancy, there's a focus on God and an anticipation of receiving something from God. When we have expectations, we put God in a box because there's a certain way that we are expecting, a certain or specific something that we are expecting from him. But when we come in expectancy, we come open-handed and anything could happen. And God could do something beyond our imagination. And so, yeah, I guess this morning we just wanted to share a little bit, Rob's going to just share a little bit more just about that kind of expectations and expectancy and what God asks of us. So I realize I have to leave my notes because they're <laughs> yours too. <laughs> so how do we move from that place of our agenda and our expectations to a heart of expectancy, which is really what Bonnie was talking about? You know, um, about, uh, well, back in 2007, so that feels like a long time ago now, I began a job in IT when we first moved here. And um, we were here, we were married, and bon, uh, Abby was six months old, so we'd just become a little family. And it looked like a wise, sensible thing 
get a job, it's a good idea, um, but to get a secure job and uh, a job that I could see would look after us and all the rest of it. But in my heart, as I began that job, I longed for something more. I knew that God had put something more on my heart and, uh, and that, it, you know, as I asked God about it, I really, at the time, I remember very distinctly feeling like he said, this isn't it. And I, and I knew he meant, don't give up dreaming. There's more to come. And um, I don't really hear God in such distinct ways very often. I probably, I can count the number of times maybe on one hand. But that was one of those times. In the years that followed, many times I would say to Bonnie, I'd come home after a long day where I felt quite unfulfilled, and I would say, why am I doing this? And she would remind me of God's word to me. She'd remind me of that, that time. And after um, seven years of doing that, the guys here rang me at work and said, would you like to apply for a job as the assistant pastor? And I knew this was it. I would never question God's leading again. Um, it didn't take long before I was back questioning God's leading. <laughs> because it turns out ministry is quite hard to do. And, you know, when things are hard, you need to know that God's in this. You need to know that. I know that some of you are walking through some quite difficult situations at the moment, especially in the, in the direction of life that you've taken. It might be in your family. Uh, it might be in, in your work. And you might have felt that God is leading you, but then the situation just gets impossibly difficult. Maybe the, the challenge just can feel overwhelming. And you're wondering, can I, can I do this? Where do we go when that situation feels impossible? And it isn't what we thought it would be like. What do we do with that? And we don't know if we have what it takes. And we're saying, God, did you, you know, <laughs> what? How do we move from that place of expectation to expectancy in those moments. I want to just suggest to you two questions that, I, that we have found takes us to that place. One is this. Is God in this? Is God really in this? Did he call me into this? Is this where he is? Is this where he's leading? That's one question, although it's three. But that's really just one question. And the second one is, if he is, can I trust him? If this is where he wants me to be, can I trust him? You know, over the last couple of months, we've been looking at, like I say, these turning points. Because we recognize that this moment, for us as a church, uh, is a challenging one. In, in the life of any church, a change in leadership can be the most of challenging times. And, um, and that's okay. So one thing I wanted to say was, it's okay if this is actually turns out to be quite hard. I think it's feeling good. Lots of you have said to us, this is great. This is going so well. Well, we might make some decisions you might not like in the next, <laughs> in the next year or two. We haven't got them in mind yet, but, you know, we don't lead like Phil and Kath. We lead slightly differently. This is going to feel different over the next few years. And at times, you might not like it very much. 
And um, that's okay. Bonnie and I don't want you to pretend that it's not if you're finding this hard. We, we don't want fake smiles in this church. Um, and, it, and, you know, it's really important that we grieve what has been so that we can hold, take hold of what is. That's so important. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this process so deliberately and intentionally, why we're taking time to thank and farewell Phil and Kath as senior pastors. And it's not just about them. The life of the church continues and changes in lots of ways too. And we have to continually open ourselves up, don't we, to what has God got for us? But again, even as a church, we've got to return to those questions. God, are you in this? And if you are, can I trust you? Because if God is in that situation, if God is in that thing that you're going through, that he's leading you into, in that move or in that career choice or in that, you know, family dilemma, if he is leading you in that, then you can let go because he will protect you. He is ultimately, thoroughly trustworthy and faithful. That, for us, is the very bedrock of our lives. God is faithful. He is trustworthy. There is no one more trustworthy than him. In my life, he has never left me. Even on my darkest days, when I have walked out on him, he hasn't walked out on me. He's never failed to give me the strength to get through the thing that he's called me to do, even when it seemed impossible. I love this verse in Philippians. Paul writes, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Part of us journeying through faith is not just opening up the scriptures and finding answers. It's actually learning the questions to ask. And I just want us to spend a bit of time in prayer to get today now and allow the Spirit to come and to meet with us as we ask those questions. God, are you in this? And can I trust you? Because those questions... They're the ones, like Bonnie was saying, that shift our focus away from the situation and me to what are you doing, God? And that's faith. That's faith. That's what it looks like. Will you just stand with us? And we'd love to just invite the Holy Spirit to come. To come and to meet with us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you, Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. You may want to just place a hand on your heart or put your hands out in front of you. But whatever that posture looks like, it's just um, be open now to his moving, to his presence touching us. And we're going to wait for his presence. Thank you, Lord. Increase your presence here, Lord. Increase your power. 
Thank you, Lord. Just begin to see him just resting on some of you. Just let him do that. Come, Lord. More of you, we ask. More of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let it come. Just sense for some as we were talking, um, kind of know that kind of sense of yes. I feel like I do come with expectations to God, and I know that that sometimes limits what I see Him doing. Um, and so, I just uh, if that's you, I just love you to bring that to the Lord. I've just been reminded, even in worship this morning, what a tender, intimate, loving father he is, and that we can bring anything to him. Um, and so bring those expectations, lay them at his, at his feet. And then, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would create an expectant heart and an expectant posture. So almost trade those expectations for expectancy. Yeah. So Lord, now we ask that you would just increase our capacity for faith. Yes. Come Holy Spirit. Yeah. Just increase our heart, our heart of faith. Lord, I pray for those who need it this morning. You would just give them a reassurance that this is what you've called them to. Mm. You've called them into it. Thank you, Lord. And for those who are struggling to know, can I really, really trust you? Lord, we ask for your love right now just to sweep through this place. Yes. Just pour it out, Lord. It's what your word says you will do by your Holy Spirit. Pour out your love into our hearts. I particularly would love to just pray for you this morning if you are, you know that you, you have been following the Lord's direction in something and you're now maybe facing a testing moment. It's like this is where it's being tested. Is this really what God has called me to do? I'd love you just to come up the front, just here, just near the cross, just at the front here. I'd love to just pray for you. We'll sort of, in a COVID safe way, we'll lay some hands on you and just ask the Lord to come and bring that assurance of his leading. So, so important. He knows what we need, guys. But let's just wait a little bit longer. Let's see what else the Lord wants to do. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. I also got a sense um, that actually for some of you who have been praying for healing in a certain area, that actually this word is really speaking into that as well this morning. Because actually as we bring that need for healing there is an important posture of our hearts 
that says, you know what, God, I don't know quite what this is going to look like, but I'm going to just be expectant of you. So I, I just want to invite you, if you, something maybe, particularly for those of you who had prayer a number of times for something, you haven't received healing. I do want to just ask you just to be brave one more time and just raise up a hand. And we'd love to just lay a hand on you and ask for God's expectancy to fill you. So folks, if there's people near you with a hand up, just come and lay a hand on them. I'd love to do that. Or if you would like to receive some prayer for things that you're just following the Lord on. There's morning. a few hands in front as well. So just look around. This is the time to pray. Let's do that, guys. And do come forward if you need some prayer. I'd love to pray with you. Or if there are any of those other words that were shared earlier through the service. But let's just hang out in this space. Let's not rush off just yet. had a sense as well that I, I think that for some people you know that it's trusting the Lord is the hard thing and I feel like uh, for some there has been a disappointment where you felt like you have trusted God and you feel like he didn't come through and so that sense of um, or the, even the idea or thought of trusting him again feels hard um, and is something that you are very hesitant with. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to say, he totally understands, he totally gets it, um, but he's calling you to lean in to that and to bring that to him again and to choose to, to trust him um, and to see what it is that he's doing because he is working. He does love you. He does have the best for you. Um, and he's okay that you struggle to bring that to trust and to trust him. But just to choose that this morning. <laughs>